According to the statistics tracking site, Statista, all four major sports leagues have lost an excessive $2.2 billion because of the pandemic. However, the financial pinch has not affected the vitality of financial transactions or player movements, specifically around the MLB and NBA. Jeremy Atrul has a degree in business administration with a focus of entrepreneurship from the College of Business Administration and Public Policy at CSU Dominguez Hills in California. However, he's making a successful transition into the realm of sports broadcasting. He's currently the host of Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. He joined me this week to discuss the financial impact the pandemic has had on our four major sports and providing his take on the latest news and notes in baseball and in the NBA. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. It's really great to see you, and I want to uh, thank you for being here, and I'm looking forward to a, a really robust and uh, engaging discussion about the state of the MLB and NBA. So great to see you this afternoon, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, very excited to be here. Looking forward to getting some real good conversations going. Absolutely, me too. Now, Jerry, when we look at the overall state of sports and the pandemic, estimates have been that uh, the all four major sports leagues have lost a total of $2.2 billion due to the pandemic. So I'm wondering your thoughts on how uh, the pandemic has affected the vi- uh, vitality and spirit of sports, buddy. You know, it's taken a real hard hit. We can look at it from a recreational level to high school level to collegiate to our pros, right? Because these guys aren't out there or guys and girls aren't out there performing and doing their craft. Uh, we look at it from the professional sport, uh, sports uh, standpoint. You just said it. They lost a ton of money, which is going to eventually have to affect the players because we're going to see salaries maybe not where they once were. Maybe concessions when fans are welcome back in are going to be higher and ticket prices are going to be higher in order to kind of make up for that money. So hopefully it's not too bad and maybe another, another TV deal can be made to help them out and um, include something. That way fans aren't kind of taken out on it, you know? And tell me, in your opinion, I know that, that unless you're a baseball enthusiast, Jeremy, I'm not sure that uh, baseball has reached the level of popularity for the other uh, three major sports. So what do you think uh, is the key 
and to getting more people excited about baseball who don't uh, necessarily follow the sport. No, uh, baseball's in a weird tra- uh, transition right now where uh, for all the baseball people out there, they know there's a lot of high strikeouts, high home runs, right? And I think baseball's kind of pushed to leading towards the home runs. And I don't know if that's the greatest way to keep fans entertained. Um, that, to me, that's part of the popularity with it because if you see 20 strikeouts a game, it's not fun to watch. For me personally, it's tough to watch baseball on TV, even though I love the sport. I would, I'd die for the sport and everything like that, but it's hard to see. And regarding this popularity, I think baseball just does a bad job marketing its superstars. I would say the average person doesn't know maybe who Mike Trout is. And I would say that's the best player in baseball. Whether that's on him, baseball, I think it's just bigger marketing platform. You look at somebody like Trevor Bauer, uh, who's now a free agent, is looking to really push the popularity of baseball. I think he's doing it in a great way. Now, I know that you have a degree in both business, uh, business administration. So I'm curious to know uh, if Rob Manford called you up and said, I want your help and assistance in, uh, in getting more people excited about baseball. What do you think you would start? Uh, from a business perspective, I think we need to look at kind of the pricings at stadiums. I know right now there's zero fans, so that's going to take a big cut into these baseball teams' uh, budgets and everything like that. But if I look at it from that standpoint, as a fan, it's tough to go out there, family afford to a ball game when it's about $30 to $40 a seat. And then I still got to purchase food, drinks, and stuff like that for the kids. It makes it very difficult to do there. So I would like to come up with some kind of promotional strategy regarding pricing within MLB. Hopefully we can figure something out to allow families to come to the ballpark. I know for me, I used to love going with my family and now we're a family of five and it's very difficult to be able to go. It's very expensive. So that would be my starting point right there. Uh, now, Jeremy, you're, you're being broadcast today in winter, which is run across the river from Detroit. And obviously the Tigers have uh, uh, tapped AJ Hintz to be their new manager. Um, so I'm curious to know uh, how you think uh, the whole Astros saga may follow uh, AJ Hinch here to Detroit. So that was a tough one for me. Um, like I said, I'm in LA. I'm a Dodger fan. So speaking on Astros stuff is a bit tough for me. You know, it stings a little more than it should. But uh, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> so uh, looking at AJ Hinch, though, you know, I've been reading all the reports on the what do you want to call it, the, the trash the trash can gate or the cheating scandal. And I'm watching or I'm reading more and more into it, and I don't know if it's fully on A.J. Hinch. I've seen reports where he tried multiple times to stop it within a clubhouse. And if that's true, I think it'd be he'd be able to assimilate a little bit more into a clubhouse like Detroit and kind of show these guys like, hey, look, I'm willing to step up for you guys. But at the same time, we got to work together in order to build and – you know, being a fan in Detroit right now, it's not the worst thing. You guys are on the up. I've seen the team out there, and you guys got some great prospects. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they contend for the Central next year. And can you uh, tell me, as a, uh, as a diehard Dodgers fan, your whole, whole perspective on the whole uh, Justin Turner uh, coronavirus situation after the World Series? Yeah, you know uh, – that, one, that one's a tough one. I understand the emotions that go into winning a title, especially here in L.A., because it's been oh, almost 30, over 30 years, I think it is, or over 40 years. I can't even put a 
can't even remember. It's over 50 years, I think it was. Over 50 years. And the failures that they've had in 2017 against the Astros, the failures against the 2018 Boston Red Sox, you know, it's just a lot of emotion for a guy like that who's been with this club since, I think it's since 2013, which is about the time the Dodgers really stepped up and started winning some division titles out here and getting to those playoffs and trying to make some noise. Yeah, I, I, It's hard. The baseball fan in me says, you know, Justin, like, it's okay. But the, but the kind of other side of me that's in society and understands what's going on with COVID is a little bit more worried about it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, all these guys are together regardless, whether they're in the clubhouse, in the buses on the way, on the field, how is it to, how is this going to prevent anything further? That would be my part of it. I know the only thing it would be is that you had the media on the field. So that makes it difficult where you're able to kind of be spreading your virus to them. That'd be the only tough part of it to me. Uh, Joey, I, I know that you're, you're big into the NBA. So uh, two questions for you. Obviously we saw Giannis said the, uh, Supermax and James Harden wants out of Houston. So I'm wondering if you can comment on uh, both of those sort of um, uh, storylines and how you think they may Im- impact the league moving forward. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually just talked about this uh, the other day on on the show, and uh, I look at the Giannis scenario, uh, willing to re-sign that five-year Supermax deal. I think it's like 225 if not more. Um, Giannis is that kind of guy though. It seems like that he's willing to stay and build. My thing to, the thing to me though, is that in the NBA, it's very easy to move. He, to move teams once you feel like it's time. So I think what he's doing more is I'm showing faith in Milwaukee to put together a team that can win a championship. But at the same time, just know if in three years, we're not at the point we need to be, I may want to leave. And in the NBA, it's very easy for player movement. We've seen it with all the biggest stars, right? And so to me, it's, it's possible. I think he's kind of investing him in Milwaukee, but at the same time, he's letting them know, I think I might want to leave if you can't put together what you need to put together. And, and as, as far as Giannis goes, do you think it's good for the overall health of the league that he stayed in Milwaukee? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, we were, I was looking at the West, and the West is absolutely stacked. Every team has multiple superstars, and the West can be ran by anybody. On the East, though, it's a little bit more lopsided to me. So having them stay out in the East, gain some star power out there, is critical to the league because you don't want everybody on the West Coast. It doesn't make sense for the league. It's not healthy. And not only that, your, the competition in the East would be very, very bad to me, at least personally. That's how I see the East. Uh, now, Jeremy, are you a Laker or a Clipper fan? It will uh, affect my next question. So, what yes. are you? Um, I'm not a Clipper fan for sure. Um, Lakers all day. Uh, Lakers since birth, basically. I got you. So, I'll start with your hometown team. Then, do you think the Lakers uh, got better, worse, or stayed uh, neutral during the off season? It's crazy to say, but on paper. This team looks so much better than last year. Uh, last year, we had a lot of guys that maybe you looked at and didn't make sense. This year, bringing in, well, you have hopefully Kuzma can step up again. AC, um, Alex Caruso, you're hoping for another step. 
Uh, THT, Taylor Horton Tucker is looking great. You still have AD who you're able to lock up for another five years, which is great for the city, great for the organization. LeBron gets another extension. Um, I really the, – the pickup to me that I think is going to be kind of big is the Marcus Saul one. I, I love his presence as a defender. And this, I, his IQ and leadership is going to be really, really big on this team, I think. And do you think they'll uh, repeat? Oh, um, you know, it's – as of now, I have them repeating. I can't see anybody that's able to stop of Anthony Davis. Of course you do. Can you see anybody stopping Anthony Davis as of now? Well, I, I think the West is, is more competitive. I, my next question was going to be about Paul George and the Clippers, and I don't understand why they maxed Paul George out. But that's, that, that's another story for another day. I do think the Lakers are better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing is, with the Lakers, can they stay healthy? And uh, is the quality of their bench bet, better than they were, better than what it was a year ago? So uh, I think losing Rajon Rondo was uh, interesting for them. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, until someone knocks them off, I guess they're, they're the team to beat, right? So. Yeah, you got to yeah, take out the champion to be the champion. The thing with the Lakers is I know you're talking about the bench possibly not being as strong. The thing I look at it with them is that they just added two of your finalists for a sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell, who was sixth man of the year. I think they're going to be real deadly off the bench with that pick and roll. Uh, we saw it. We saw what Montrez was able to do with the Clippers, and I'm not sure if you would say Reggie Jackson is the same as Dennis Schroeder. Uh, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I um, unfortunately had the uh, task of covering the Pistons while uh, Reggie Jackson was here, and he wasn't <laughs> a fan favorite around here, Jeremy. So. Well, the Pistons are an interesting case right now, too, uh, going out and signing about five big men this offseason. I wasn't too sure what was going on over there. Yeah, the, the Pistons have uh, certainly uh, collected bodies. I don't know if they're a good basketball team or not, but at least they'll be watchable for uh, several years. They were, were just put, putting a team out there because they had to. Uh, but uh, there are, there's a little bit of intrigue with the Pistons for sure. Well, the, I think the Pistons did a great job in getting Jeremy Grant, uh, stealing them away from Denver. And I, I really liked him. I think he's a great uh, 3 and D guy. I would put him in the top tier of those. Well, with the money they paid, and money helps too, right, Jeremy? Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, though, that you're looking at him. I think, what did he get, like three years, like $30 million or something like that? Maybe three years, $40 million? Uh, Yeah, probably more than he would have gotten anywhere else other than Denver. Well, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Denver offered him the same package, and he was willing to go to Detroit. So I think that kind of speaks a little bit of volume for what maybe Detroit has planned for the team. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> circling back to uh, James Harden for a second, what do you think going on with uh, Houston, and, uh, Houston and Harden, bud? You know, that one's a tough one. No, actually, I don't actually think that's tough at all. I'm personally not a big James Harden guy. I don't like the way he plays the game. I don't like the iso ball that he plays for 48 minutes. To me, if the Detroit... It sells tickets, though. It sells t- His name sells tickets. It's, he puts up points. But if I'm Houston and I look and I see John Wall is healthy, DeMarcus Cousins looks healthy, P.G. Tucker is still looking good, you still have Eric Gordon... If I can go out and trade James Harden and get a couple pieces to match these guys, I think they can make some noise in the West. 
because we've seen James Harden kind of shrink in the playoffs. So to me, I don't know if James Harden is the key or the thing that's bringing him down. And my question about the Clippers is about uh, Paul George and Tyrone Liu. Obviously, uh, I understand. Well, I can't say I understand why the Clippers did it, but they gave. <laughs> I'm still laughing about it, but they gave Paul George a, 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 a max contract. Uh, I understand talent-wise why they may have done that, but sort of. Uh, checked out during the playoffs last year and to hitch a wagon to him, assuming that they could, uh, that, that they can get Kawhi signed next year is a, a bit of a head scratcher for me. So I'm wondering your thoughts on the uh, Paul George situation. Uh, that was a pretty interesting one because you look at it, the Clippers gave up seven picks in order to get him and Kawhi, right? Because they're a package deal. So my assumption has to be is that they spoke with Kawhi previously or the contract is given. He kind of gave the okay. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors, at least out here in L.A., that there's some friction between the two. But if the Clippers are willing to do this, they must have some confidence in the fact that him and Kawhi will work out. Um, you know, we look at PG-13 from the Lakers' standpoint and not too fond of him just because there's a lot of talk where he would love to be a Laker, yes, this, this, and that, and then doesn't give the Lakers a meeting. But, you know, I'm not in the organization, so I can't hold it against him too much. But... You know, he kind of checked out, like you were saying, during the playoffs. But I look at it, and I see that it was a little bit different of a playoff setting, being in the bubble. We saw a lot of guys that didn't really perform to what we were expecting, and we saw guys overperform in TJ Warren, where people thought he was the next Michael Jordan for in the bubble, right? Because he was just playing outstanding. Uh, but at the end of the day, I understand why they make the deal. I think he's still a top 10 player in the league. You just got to come out and show it again and be that MVP caliber that he was in OKC. Now, uh, in your opinion, buddy, I'm going to give you uh, three teams and rank them in terms of the highest ceiling you think they have between Denver, uh, Dallas, and Brooklyn. Who do you think has the brightest future, bud? Um, so I actually spoke on this the other day, not those teams necessarily, but there's one of the teams in there that I say I have going to the finals in the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets can stay healthy to me. I don't see anybody that's really able to stop them in the East, not even Giannis and uh, Drew Holiday over there. So for me, I would say Brooklyn number one. And I would go, what was the third team again? Uh, Dallas and Denver. Dallas and Denver. Dallas is tricky because you have uh, Christoph Persingis, who's injury prone. So their success goes only as far as he can go. So I would put Denver two, and I'd put Dallas three. And as far as Luca, what do you think his next progression has to be? Um, you know, he's got to get better at that three ball. Last year, I believe it was 30% from three. One of the worst shooters at three. Yes, he's a scoring machine. Yes, he can pass. He can do it all. And I'm a huge fan of him. But I need to see him take that next step in a three-point line at the three-point line because we've seen today's NBA. And if you can't shoot the three, it's not you're not gonna kind of benefit your team too much. And Jeremy, tell me, what do you think of uh, the current state of the NBA in terms of w wanting to get the Christmas games in so they don't lose? The billion dollars and trying to uh, get all of these games in. 
after just finishing a season are you worried about quality uh, quality of play at all give her yeah you know it's gonna be tough i think the quality you're not gonna see maybe as much in the beginning would be the teams that were went deep into the playoffs the miami heat the los angeles lakers the denver nuggets um i'm trying to think Boston Celtics might struggle a little bit just because they played so deep into the season and you only gave them a month and a half off. Those older teams might take a little bit, but um, I think that that Christmas day was necessary. Uh, I don't know if I like the matchups they gave out for Christmas because that's your main day. In my opinion, that when I think of Christmas and sports, I think of basketball. I don't know about you, but that's what I watch on Christmas and the lineup they gave as your beginning of the season, trying to intrigue more people wasn't satisfactory to me uh, especially their five o'clock game which is lakers and dallas i'm not sure if that's the matchup that everybody wants to see not only that you have the miami heat playing at nine o'clock in the morning east Co- uh yeah nine o'clock in the morning here on the west coast and those guys are the defending eastern champions so I'm not too sure i like what they did there uh, especially coming off of a lot of uh negativity uh, around the league as far as their viewership, viewers dropped down a lot. And you finally had a day where you can kind of get some people back into the NBA with some intriguing games and showing your great, great, great talent that they have. But, uh, you know, I, I do see that they needed to do it. And as far as the quality, I think they'll get it back to where they need to be. And, and I've got a few more for you. The first, uh, starting with, with what did you think of – the offseason as a whole, if we look at free agency, the draft, and uh, coaching movement in the NBA, I'm wondering your thoughts on uh, what you thought there, Bob. Yeah, so we start off with those coaching movements. I thought um, it was a little bit of a surprise about Doc Rivers leaving the Clippers. That one was half expected, not, not expected, in the sense that they blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, which is obviously huge, especially with a team that – spent all season resting their players right for the playoffs and then didn't perform. So that was a little bit of an interesting movement. Um, the one that got me a little bit was the Pacers firing their coach after I thought they performed pretty well in the playoffs and kind of gave uh, Miami a little bit of a challenge in those playoffs. But, you know, like the NBA, the NBA is a copycat league and they're going to try to copy whatever's going on. And your champions of the last year were a great defensive team, right? And the Lakers and Frank Vogel is known to be a, a defensive specialist. So that could be leading, be a reason why some of these guys lost their job. Uh, Mike D'Antoni stepping away from the Rockets. I think that's more of him when James Harden had been issues. I, I felt, I think he felt he couldn't win with James Harden. So he went to Brooklyn, right? And uh, paired up with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. And they're kind of bringing the Phoenix Suns back out there. And then you look at free agency and, I was a little surprised that there was so much money out there for those guys just because these teams got impacted greatly, right? Because they didn't get any playoff revenue regarding fans coming into the stadiums, purchasing concessions. They missed about 20 games with fans in the, in the seats. To me, that's big. And like I said, their viewership went down, so I'm assuming there wasn't as much money there. And uh, But it's kind of weird. It happened so fast, right? You kind of blinked your eyes and – here we are, a week away from the NBA season. Absolutely. And, Jeremy, I'm also curious uh, to end the interview on w- w- your current uh, future in terms of 
uh, transitioning into sports broadcasting. I know that you have a degree in business administration, but I also understand that you want to dabble into sports broadcasting. So can you share a little bit about your personal journey and how it's going, Bob? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I am a graduate of Cal State Dominguez Hills, uh, graduated in business administration with a focus on entrepreneurship. And I've been in business since I, literally, I've said stuff before birth, but I, my family is involved in different businesses. So I've kind of grown up in it. And this is kind of where I was meant to be. And I'm looking into sports now. And I'm a host of Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. It's a podcast that you can find almost anywhere or even on our website. And I'm having a ton of fun with it. You know, growing up, I played sports nonstop up to high school. Um, almost played. I had some offers for college and it didn't go the way I wanted to. But at the end of the day, you know, sports have been my life. And what's better than mixing business and sports, you know, just being able to get out there and it'd be fun to make money, right? Doing something that you love. And well, that's what I love. If you do that, I don't call it work, right? So I'm exactly. still lonely about it. Exactly. I want to wish you the best of luck with all your future endeavors, Bond, and I want to thank you uh, for being on the program this afternoon. We really enjoyed our entertaining and uh, uh, thought-provoking conversation about uh, the state of ba uh, baseball and basketball. Re really great to see you, and uh, thanks for letting me vir virtually visit California today. It's most appreciated. Oh, of course. Anytime. You know, I'm always here. If you ever want me back, I'm more than available for you. Thank you again for having me on the show. And 57 in, in winter is mild, by the way, okay? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm freezing. I was double layered before I came on. <laughs> oh, you, you've got that California blood. You're not warm-blooded uh, warm enough, buddy. Oh, but I love our summers. I don't mind the 100 degrees where I live. It feels, I, it feels I, great. I figured you might say that, but I really enjoyed uh, our time together, and I want to thank you for being here, buddy. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, Joey. We're done.